I'm Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. In these Gurus editions, we'll feature strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, recovery scientists, and other performance specialists who help athletes to be their best. This is part two of our conversation with Rachel Balkovic, who became the first female manager in minor league baseball when the New York Yankees appointed her skipper of their low A affiliate, the Tampa Tarpons. Rachel is a bilingual, former collegiate catcher with two master's degrees in biomechanics who has been a strength and conditioning coach and hitting coach at various levels of baseball since 2014. She is a student of the game who is passionate about helping her players improve, and she is still an athlete herself with an affinity for barbell work, beach volleyball, and walking on her hands. Rachel is also my friend. I am inspired by her, and I'm thrilled to have her on Food of the Gods to share her incredible story. So I want to ask you a selfish question, which I may have asked you before, but I don't remember. So the eye tracking thing is kind of fascinating to me. I have had a bunch of concussions and my last concussion, my biggest issue was tracking, being able to follow lights on the highway at nighttime. Now I was a division one college softball player and there was about two years after my last concussion where you could throw me a softball and I would jump out of the way because I did not know where it was or how far away it was from me. So if there's not wow. a connection between your eyes and your brain, if that doesn't prove it, I don't know what does. And I remember maybe now like a year and a half, two years ago, my boyfriend threw a golf ball at me across the green and I stepped up and caught the ball. And I was like, oh my God, did you see that? I like freaked out because it had gotten better, but I was doing all these funky exercises like focus pulls on your fingers and these like following these little things and taping charts to the wall. So I'm just sort of wondering if that's something that you can, you know, good hitters are naturally, might naturally have an ability to track the ball better, but can you train it if you don't have such a a great Mm -hmm. eye tracking mechanism? Yeah. I would liken gaze strategies. That's what it's called. Just, you know, the way that your eyes function, I would liken that to, being tall. I think you're not being tall. It's a bad example. Like any natural physical ability, like, okay, someone being really explosive and having a lot of type two fibers in their body. I really think some people do have it naturally because mm-hmm. these guys aren't training this. Yeah. The other interesting thing to think about is maybe if they were young and they saw a lot of high velocity pitching where they had to adapt that skill, that's probably another option to think about. So can you get better at it? I think it, undisputably the answer is yes. And the ways that traditionally people get better at that is they do occlusion training. And this is something that it's not necessarily the Yankees. It's just in general occlusion training. So basically that's when in hitting, at least you could do this in anything. So in hitting, at least it would be, you show a video of a pitcher and then at ball release, it cuts off and goes black and they have to say, okay, it's a ball or strike or what pitch is that or whatever. So it's just basically training them to get their eye to the right place early and pick up as many like relevant cues as possible before the ball is released or just as the ball is released. Because realistically, these hitters, like hitters make the decision of whether or not to swing way before the ball crosses the plate, right? Oh, yeah. They make the decision in the first third of ball flight. So in, in like 200 milliseconds. So if you're not making the decision as soon as the ball's out of the hand, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So it's really just training that process. If I was talking to you, I would say the way that you would train it is not sitting in a stationary place and moving a little thing along. this. <laughs> it would actually be playing catch, or catch playing catch. Yeah. And like start easy and focus and then back up and then a little faster and a little faster. It'd be something that's more like realistic. 
it's not, I played catch with my brother this summer and throwing hard for the first time in a long time. And I was like, yes, it's like, it just made me feel like I definitely crossed a, a hurdle. I'm also sort of oh, wondering yeah. now if catchers, if you ever did any eye tracking stuff with them, if they're better at it because they more often see hundred mile an hour fastballs. Interesting. You should ask that they're different because they know what pitch is coming. They were tipped off. They know it's their idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. They know it's coming. So they've already created a prediction in their mind. The only difference is like, okay, is it going to be in the dirt? Do I need to block it? Or is it coming where I thought it was going to be? So that is slightly applicable. But for hitters, it's like they have to be super elite because they don't know what's coming and they have to make a decision. Yeah. And also that the pitcher is doing his best to kind of hide what it is and to vary, okay, this one was inside and that one was outside, which changes effective velocity and the way we see things. It's also, it's all crazy and very interesting. Yep. Anyway. So you start coaching, becoming a, a hitting coach when you're over in Amsterdam. And I'm just wondering how coaching a specific skill is different from, or the same as coaching strength and conditioning. Well, I mean, there's two sides to coaching. There's the art of coaching. There's the personal side. And then there's also the tactical side. (laughs) Sorry. No, don't edit that out because I want everyone to know how tired I, I I just moved across the country and I'm starting this new job and I'm tired. (laughs) Did that's yeah, that's sports performance right there. I'm going to get some good sleep tonight. But yeah, I think that there's the personal side and then there's the tactical side. And so the personal side is not different. You're, you're basically trying to get a group of human beings to come together and do a really difficult task, which is winning games. And then you individually have to talk to all these different personalities and get them to be on board and get them to learn and get them to buy in. That's all the exact same. Then there's a tactical portion of like learning, you know, because look, I played softball in college, but as we all know, just because you played a sport 10 years ago doesn't mean what you thought you did is what you actually did, number one. And also, doesn't even mean what you did was good. <laughs> like, it doesn't mm-hmm. even, you know, so it's not as applicable. There's a science now, especially now with all the technology that comes up. It's like, we hear professional athletes all the time say, oh, yeah, yeah, I did this. And then you look at a high-speed video and you're like, you didn't. You actually did not. <laughs> like, you just did yeah. it. It's factual. It's right there. So, I think there's a tactical side of learning what I stray away from the new age words, but more so like what information technology has brought to light that I had no idea, you know, when I was playing. And also just like now I'm working with some some of the best people in the entire world, some of the most successful baseball organizations in the entire world. And these people are very smart. So I had to learn and get up to speed with what they were teaching and how they were teaching it and the cues they're using and the drills that they're using and all those things. But that was the easy part. It was easy to transition over to being a hitting coach, mostly because I had phenomenal mentors. But people think it's this big jump, but it's like I was coaching. And by the way, I was coaching the body. You know, the hips don't act different in the cages than they do in the gym. They don't. It's still your body. It's acting to accomplish a different task. So I've evaluated movement for a really long time. And now I just did it in the cages. So it really was not that different. Um, I felt like it was pretty smooth, relatively speaking. I don't know any other straight coaches who have transferred over to hitting coaches at the professional level. (laughs) So I don't know what other people's experiences are like, but I felt like it was really smooth. And that's really a testament to the Yankees and Dylan as my mentor, really helping me to understand. 
another first, the first strength coach to transitions being a hitting coach you can <laughs> have that on your resume. Do you have an opinion? And I asked this to a lot of strength coaches and other coaches, what percentage of time pro athletes should spend in the gym becoming physically prepared to play their sport and versus what percentage they should spend practicing the specific skills of the sport? That's a loaded question, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to lean more towards, I think that athletes, I think that at least baseball players could spend more time in the weight room than they do. But professional baseball is a game every day. So I didn't make that rule that that was set a long time ago. You know, I wish we had three or four games, probably four games a week over the weekend, and we could actually get better training in in season. But it's pretty difficult for those guys to push as hard as they can when they've got to play a game that night. But having said that, I still am probably going to lead more towards you need to do more than you're doing. And that's just probably partly a mentality thing for me, but also literally a physical thing. I mean, I think to think to myself, if we could have some of like the bodies of like linebackers, you know, in the NFL in baseball, Mm -hmm. which we do have, we have a couple that are like, I mean, we have a couple with the Yankees that are like that. Uh, But if we could have all of those athletes that are playing in the NFL, playing baseball, and you just look at the comparison of the size of the bodies, uh, the ball would be going a lot further and be throwing, being thrown a lot harder. So if we can't have those bodies, you know, how can you make that up? Well, you can get in the weight room and gain the weight and get more explosive. So I definitely think that time, a considerable amount of time should be spent in the weight room, no matter what sport, but I would like to see more of it in baseball. I would say the flip side of that is probably also true though, where, if you took the linebacker, he might be in great shape, but he doesn't have the skill of hitting. So then you have to kind of go and do the other. I mean, I, I imagine it's a tightrope, no matter which way you look at it. No, a hundred percent. I'm not saying that they can yeah. hit a baseball because it's been proven that a lot of them can't. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm just saying if they somehow grew up loving baseball and played baseball instead, I mean, we'd see it. We'd have a different game. Yeah. You've been with a lot of minor league baseball players now and seen a lot of players come and go and a lot of players move on and, and make it to the big leagues. Can you tell immediately who the superstars will be when they're young? What separates those players from the rest of the baseball players who are trying to make it? I mean, look, there's talent, of course, that separates them. But I would say like the mega superstars, what separates them from everybody else is always their character you know, and their work ethic, because at the end of the day, yeah, you can have some talent or you can throw hundred miles an hour, but if that's all you've got and you get to the big leagues and you just rely on that the whole time, and then you're not working hard in the weight room, you're not eating right. You're not taking care of yourself mentally. You're partying. You cannot last that long. It's too much of a grind. It's too many games. You can't last that long. So you see kids who rocket through the system with a bunch of talent, and then they're there for two years and they get released. So I think it's, it always comes down to amongst all of the very talented players, it always comes down to them having discipline and, you know, making sacrifices probably personally to make sure that they're taking care of their health more than anything and recovering. It's really about the intangibles. I was going to ask, what are some of the most common mistakes you see with young guys coming out of high school, making with their training and the nutrition? I think you just hit on a lot of it, but are there any uh, kind of specific ones where you're like, oh no, he's doing that? I mean, just it's actually just general, it's nutrition. Because I think more often than not, guys, you know, they'll do the workouts, they'll push themselves, they'll put the picture on Instagram or whatever, but then they're eating gummy worms, you know, on the bus in the middle of the night. And it's like, 
for me, it's not as much about body fat or anything. It's, it's literally just recovery. And especially in professional baseball, when it's an everyday thing, you have so little time to recover and that stacks up. So it's really like fueling their body properly, I think is one of the hardest things, especially when look, their mom was cooking for them, for them last year. And now all of a sudden they're on a bus somewhere and they stop at the gas station. Why not get Cheetos? You know, <laughs> it's just, sometimes it's, it's all the gas station has, right? Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, I mean, this is pretty broad, but when you take these kids to the, the grocery store, are you advocating a particular type of diet with them or are the small victories with like, Hey, buy an apple instead of that Twinkie. Do you give them like the big picture or is it just the little victories that you're looking for? It depends on the guy, but I think educating them for the future and this will take the small victories in the meantime. So we do like try to tell them obviously lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of clean meats, you know, non-processed meats and healthy grains, healthy carbohydrates and getting your carbohydrates from many different sources and not just, you know, Pop-Tarts or something like, you know, just educating them on general concepts. And I mean, when I was in double A, I would always play like a, we would play a recovery game and it was the simplest stuff. Like guys, how many times did you eat a salad this week with dark greens? Okay. It was zero times. Let's just make that two times next week. Like how many times did you have fruit today? Okay. Or this week, you know, just getting them to understand that it all, it all adds up. And so if they're not perfect, that's fine. We understand that they're young guys and they might have a sip of alcohol every once in a while or every day. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's fine, but it's like, don't compound the issue by then eating pop tarts for breakfast and Taco Bell for lunch. Like you have to somehow replenish your body and it does all add up. And so if if you're not perfect, at least, you know, try to do something good for your body every day. Do you personally follow a particular type of diet? I do. I would say, you know, paleo air quotes, even though I'm fairly flexible, you know, I'm not going to spit out a, you know, legume if I come across it in a salad. Like (laughs) I would say mostly vegetables and meat and then some berries and fruit. And, you know, sometimes I'll have some grains or something, but it's mostly staying away from dairy and uh, refined carbohydrates as much as possible. Do you I have a favorite cheat meal? Oof, all of them. I, I'm, a, I'm a sweets person, so it would have to be like cake or like with thick, creamy frosting, like the worst kind of sugary frosting you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like cake? I hope you had some cake when you got your promotion with a big <laughs> pile of frosting or, or just the frosting out of the jar. I mean, I'm a proponent. Why not? Oh, 100%. <laughs> so you're a collegiate catcher. And I know you love to power lift and you love to work out and you taught yourself to walk around on your hands and you took up beach volleyball. What kind of workouts are you doing nowadays? Oh, well, actually I'm just coming off of a pretty serious elbow injury from throwing too much batting practice. So I, uh, but it's, it's It's a workman's comp. Watch out Yankees. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's been okay. It's just been a really slow heel and I always say like the reason why I train partly, I mean, I love it. I want to stay in shape. I want to be healthy, but also I love the fact that it keeps me in touch with how an athlete feels when they're sore or they're tired or, you know, my elbow hurts. Like I'm losing like an identity here. I can't throw batting practice. I'm not, you know, I already wasn't great at it. Now I've got a, you know, an elbow injury and having to modify your workouts and how you lose motivation when you are injured and, I mean, I'm, ta- I'm preaching the choir with all of your 
concussions and stuff you've been through. So it's just, I think if you push yourself hard enough, you're going to encounter those things. And so right now my workouts are pretty boring, but I just kill the assault bike and I find a way to push myself physically, I would say about five times a week. And right now that's it's just getting creative and moving my body in any way possible. I mean, the other day with a coach, we took sleds and literally just walked and dragged them around the field and I was dying. So just finding a way to push myself physically and mentally on a regular basis, I think, and I'm having to adjust and that's what uh, athletes do, you know? And Rachel has definitely been known to drive around the country with dumbbells and kettlebells in the back of her car. I would imagine doing some workouts on the side of the road from point A to point B, um, just sneaking it in when you can. Uh-huh. You got it. And you got to check out her Instagram because she also does have a pretty beautiful power clean, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> Most of the guys can't power clean like uh, Rachel can. Why, thank you. There you go. When you come out of this uh, elbow thing, do you, do you have any kind of fitness, you know, the things you still want to do, like fitness goals for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that, well, CrossFit has been something interesting because when I first met Lindsay, I did not do CrossFit. And, uh, and I did, and she made fun of me. <laughs> yeah. And she wrote me and she wrote me in, but Jeff Albert really wrote me in. And I think my goal really is just to I bounce around, right? Beach volleyball has been in there. They definitely think that getting back to gymnastics has always just been fun for me. It's so hard and I'm tall and I'm awkward and just really being able to be athletic for as long as possible. And I, someday that's going to mean pickleball and someday that's going to mean golf when I'm older, just moving my body and being an athlete and learning new things and feeling the, the embarrassment and the pain of learning new things and failing that's really what I'm after. It, it's going to take on, I know it's going to take on 10 more forms before it's all over. So I don't have anything specific. And I know that whatever comes next will probably be something uh, pretty painful and embarrassing. And that's fine. Are you still, I, I know it hasn't started yet, but are you still doing the workouts that you do at like 4.30 in the morning before everybody else gets to the ballpark? Or are you uh, waiting till the end of the day when you're nice and tired? <laughs> oh, last year, that was, you think about, Again, just t- talking on performance, last year, we weren't allowed to get into the complex before seven. And so I couldn't lift in the morning and gyms weren't open early enough for me to get there and they get showered and get to work. So I lifted at the end of the day and that was really, it's just like at the end of the day when your body, especially after 12 hours in the heat in Florida, outside coaching, moving around, moving, pitching machines, just doing all, all kinds of stuff. And then I lift around eight, 7 or 8 p.m. and your body's just ready to go to sleep and you're trying to like wake up and get something done. It was so, yeah, it was pretty rough. So I always, I'm a morning workout person. Just go, get up and get it done because at the end of a, a long day, mentally and physically, you're not feeling much like pushing around some weight. I think you need to get them to give you a key so you can go in at five. COVID says otherwise. So even if oh. I had, a, I can get in the building, but we're not allowed because they don't want, extra people in the building for extra hours. So right, I get it. Well, hopefully that have, will, will remedy itself. Yes, Omicron ma'am. will burn through everyone and everyone will have super <laughs> immunity. And then we can kind of, I don't know, try to go back to some kind of normal. So you've talked a lot about, you know, your nutrition for recovery and you mentioned that you need to get a really good night of sleep tonight, but there's so many kind of cool recovery 
things out on the market now. And I'm wondering if you have any that you're particularly attached to or any recovery tricks that you can share. I definitely go for the ice and sauna uh, route and cold tubbing as much as I can. And really just to get the blood moving, basically you're, if you move from cold to heat, then your veins and your arteries are pumping blood back and forth. And so just kickstarting the recovery process there. And also just, it'll wake you up to get in that <laughs> cold water. So in the morning time, I like to do that. Or uh, my boyfriend's a psycho and takes only cold showers and stays in there and just lets that water run over him. So using those cold and, and heat, I would say are two of my favorite things. But then and that is, so you don't need to have a sauna to do that, folks. You can just do really cold water in the shower and really hot water in the shower. And yep. it's not fun. Yep. Yeah. So you are now going to, into the job, this promotion. It's not like a specific skill set coach and it's not a strength coach. You are like the boss lady. You are the manager. You are in charge. How do you think you will draw on all the other types of coaching you've done to do this new job? Man, when Kevin Reese first approached me about this, I thought I was caught off guard because I just thought I'm going to be a hitting coach next year. And my head was down and that was the role that I thought I was going to be in. So it kind of came out of, not out of nowhere, but it, to me, it kind of blindsided me. And then once I settled in with the idea, I thought, actually, this is a perfect role for me. And all of my family and friends have said, oh my God, it's perfect because I've always been the leader on the team. You know, I've always been growing up. I was always the captain, always the leader, always the girl who was going to call out my teammates and be like, yo, you know, coach is right. Or, Hey, get, like, I just was, I was the person that was giving team talks after the game. And I was always that person on every team, even when I wasn't a superstar player, you know, so that was who I was as a young person. And I think leadership is something that kind of comes natural to me in a way. And uh, there's always work to be done and leadership is a skill that needs to be developed, but it's just a role that I've always loved. I always love the pressure to be on me. And I always love eyes to be looking at me to do, you know, call the next play, so to speak, if you will. So the more I sat with it, the more I was like, God, this is so exciting. And also I'm a very big generalist. It's hard for me to focus on one thing. It was hard for me to go back to school and do research and eye tracking and be one track mind because I want to know everything. So the idea that I'll be, you know, overseeing pitching and hitting and base running and strength and conditioning, athletic training, not overseeing them specifically, but just facilitating and creating the environment where they can be successful and knowing kind of what they want and echoing that to the players. It just really fits me. So you're right. It's not like a specific skill you can put your finger on, but that's me. You know, I, I'm a generalist. I want to know the broad ideas and I want to know a little bit of everything and be able to be, have that be my superpower is just being kind of knowledgeable in each area, which lends itself to also hopefully my future job of general manager. I do think it's interesting too, because like, you know, the internet is a stupid place and I hope you don't read any of it, but you know, the folks that are like, oh, she's never been a manager. A woman can't manage men, whatever. Like you can get hung up in the minutia of baseball, but you've been around baseball in some form since you were a kid. And at the end of the day, this is why we have a pitching coach, a hitting coach, a first base coach, a third base coach, a, a whatever. You're not going to be making decisions in a vacuum. You have all these people that are going to help you. And 
what you said before about relationships with people, so much of pulling a picture or making a switch is knowing your player's mindset, which you are awesome at. So it seems like it does seem like a really good job for you and obviously a, a great opportunity to do it at that level with guys that you probably know from last year. Yep. It just seems really cool. <laughs> it's funny to me. It's like, I wish, I don't know what I wish actually. I don't wish anything. It's just, it's funny to me that people saying, oh, how are the players going to respect her? And it's like, they already do. I know these guys. <laughs> like, what do you mean? They're all texting me saying, oh, hell yeah. Like, that's awesome. I can't, you know, hey, Skipper, like, what's up? It's it's so, this time around is definitely different. You know, I'm not new in the organization. All these guys know me and no one is questioning whether or not I can get their respect because they already respect me. And I've already shown that they respect me as a hitting coach. Yeah, I, you just said that. I can't wait to start calling you Skip. <laughs> <laughs> so big overall question here now. And I'm sure you've answered this a million times, but what advice do you give to young girls who want to follow your in your footsteps or even just do jobs that are not traditionally given to girls? And, and also, you know, advice to them, but also to the parents and the teachers out there who influence the decisions these young girls make and, and how they think about themselves and what they believe they can do. I just think, you know, the road will be hard and it's going to be less hard maybe than the road that I had, but you'll find your brick wall. You know, you'll find the first something you'll find somewhere where there's not a lot of acceptance for women. You'll find that there's still plenty of opportunities for that. And I think it's just, just be honored that you get to be the person to change people's minds. Like try as hard as you can to not be angry about it. Try to view yourself as, you know, as the pioneer cutting, whacking down the, you know, weeds with the machete and clearing the path, like be that person and take pride in that and do it with a smile on your face, because it is an honor to be that person that changes people's minds. I want to share a quick story that was really cool. A coach reached out to me on Twitter when the news broke and said, you know, I have a confession to make. I, I visited driveline a couple of years ago when you were there and I saw you and I assumed that you were one of the player's girlfriends. And he admitted this to me through Twitter. And he said, I just really want to apologize because I have two daughters and I shame myself for looking at you and going, oh, that must be a player's girlfriend. And especially when people told me your background and then to see what you've done now, he's like, how embarrassing that a dad of two daughters, that was my first thought. And he was like, I just, ever since that moment of embarrassment, I try to keep myself in check because I can't believe that what my daughters are going to be facing, you know, even if they do make it, they're still going to have people that don't understand. And, you know, I wrote him back and I was like, thanks for being honest, but I don't hold any ill will. I appreciate that you felt like you had to tell me, but like, I'm glad that you thought that. And then you found out something else. And I'm glad that now it's changed you. Mm -hmm. Now you're way more in check. Like, great. If I was the vehicle for that, like, wonderful. I get to change people's minds. It's the best superpower ever. You know, I, I appreciate it. And it doesn't always feel good in the moment, but again, with like 10 years of experience of this, I just am like, I say it with a smile on my face. Like, yeah, no, I'm not the social media girl. I'm a manager. <laughs> you know, get to see the look on their face. It's so cool. I was the only girl on my ice hockey team growing up. And 
I remember people asking me like whose sister I was and, and was I the manager like who, who called in the scores to the, the newspaper? And I'm like, no, I'm the second line left wing. Thank you very much. And then covering baseball. I, I remember you told me a story where you were at a conference somewhere in Florida, went up to the beach in the morning and told a lady up at the beach that you were at the conference. And she said, oh, who are you married to? And I can't tell you how many times I was also asked that at batting practice or, yeah. you know, outside a clubhouse, who's boy for girlfriend are you and it is really nice to see that stuff uh starting to kind of come around last thing i know you are fond of, of saying i'm not done yet and so much that you have it on a t-shirt mm-hmm. and i'm just sort of wondering where that you know you're i'm not done yet the bar probably moves for you every couple of months with realizing what you can possibly accomplish and when you think of i'm not done yet now what do you think of <laughs> I started using that hashtag when I went back to school because of just a lot of the questions, you know, I went back to school in Amsterdam to study eye tracking, you know, and people were like, wait, you're moving to the Netherlands for baseball. Like what is going, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And I just was like, just wait, just wait, you know, like I've got this plan and I know where I'm going. And I just like, even when the news broke about me being a hitting coach, I felt like people were throwing me a graduation party at the end of my freshman year. Like, wait a second, just everyone relax. You know, this isn't even the biggest thing that's going to be happening now. Same thing. It's like, I'm a minor league manager and it's like, okay, but don't cheer for me until I'm a GM and we're winning world series and we're, you know, changing the world with philanthropy. And like, there's way bigger goals and it's putting myself in check and keeping my own mentality in check of like, okay, this is cool. You know, and I'm glad that there's visibility for women. This is really cool, but this is a step, you know, it's a proclamation to the world, but it's also just like a keeping myself in check of like, I have a lot more work to do, you know? Well, I am so excited for you. I cannot wait to see what happens in in Tampa. I can't wait to just come and watch a game with you there on the sideline (laughs) and like doing your thing. I'm so excited for you. I'm so proud of you. And I said this to you before, I feel like my grandpa is like super excited for you. And, you know, he knows what the story is. He knows he wouldn't be anywhere without my grandma. And I feel like he would think that it was just so badass that you got this job and that the Yankees were the team to do it. So congratulations. My whole family is super excited. You know, the whole world is too. And I just, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Rachel for joining us on Food of the Gods. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at at rachel.balkovic and Twitter at at underscore Rachel Balkovic. You can also follow the Tampa Tarpons through the 2022 baseball season on both Instagram and Twitter at at Tampa Tarpons. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at at foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. Mm-hmm.